you've got different types of learning media, then why not adapt those, use those in the classroom and blend your, your learning as you would in the workplace, which is, you know, workplaces, of, of um, they have uh, blended learning opportunities, you know. The Startup Student Podcast, the podcast for students who want to be their own boss, where students and experts from across the world and I, Christine, give you practical advice. We are looking into tips all around starting and marketing your own business, as well as productivity to better balance your student and business life. Turn your idea into reality. I'm your host, Christine. Let's start this episode. Welcome to this week's podcast episode where we are talking about realizing your full potential with Karen and it's the third one out of four episodes and make sure you listen to the first two um, very inspiring and interesting and um, mind-blowing episodes that we already have released for you. Welcome back Karen. Thank you and uh, lovely to be um, here with you, Christine, and able to talk about my real passion, which is finding the true potential of people, uh, children and adults. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. We, we, um, we touched on uh, this week's episode already last week where we mentioned what we're going to talk about. Um, and I think it's a very important uh, conversation to have um labeling looking into okay what um what kind of disordered um disorders issues learn different learning styles um are labeled in this world how are they labeled how did it evolve over time and is it a good thing a bad thing um should you tell your children should you not tell your children if they're so-called diagnosed with, with something but and I'm saying so-called because this is exactly what we're going to talk about today. Because is it actually a disability or is it just a different style of learning or what is it? So, Karen, I would like to open up uh, the floor to you to maybe get started about this. Um, what do you know about labeling? What have you experienced with it? And uh, then we can go further into do we think it's a good or a bad thing? Can it help? Can it not help? Okay, well, interestingly, um, you know, for, for me, personally, I've touched on my daughter, and so I'm not going to name her here, but she uh, was given a diagnosis of Asperger's, and this came about through um, school, um, when we moved from the UK to the, to the Middle East, and um, she had come from a small school in the UK, she's got a good friendship group, she's a very popular little girl, and um, we brought her to the UAE. She moved from a classroom of like 10 children to one of 17 and a, a school year of 30 to one of 250. And um, within about three weeks, she, she started to really struggle. And um, it was really, for, for me as a parent, you know, kind of, wow, where has this come from? What's going on here? And um, she, she just started to really struggle in the classroom. And that manifested itself in kind of, behaviors and then uh, she started uh, being um, put outside the classroom door and uh, you know uh, I guess for her it was a level of humiliation and there was one particular story she told me where she was well in fact she didn't tell me the story I was told by the teacher where she'd sat in the classroom and the teacher had explained what was going on in in the piece of work that she needed to do and she sat there and just didn't do anything she kind of froze um 
and uh, the teacher you know was frustrated and said you know I'd explained it to her I'd given the instructions and she just she just refused to work so my daughter was expelled from the classroom on the premise that she was refusing deliberately refusing to work um, we were already going through the process of um, educational psychologist reports and, and, and the like. And, um, you know, my, me as a parent, I could clearly see something was wrong, but from the, the teacher perspective, he was struggling to teach her. Um, she, was, she was a naughty child. She was belligerent. She was difficult. Um, and when she was dragged out of that classroom and literally dragged down a corridor, I still kind of struggle with that myself now. Um, uh, you can, I, 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 uh, I struggled to, to understand the, the justification for it. Yeah. When I spoke to my daughter, she explained to me that she just genuinely didn't understand what it was she had to do. That subsequently, um, uh, well, I, I subsequently understood why she couldn't understand um, after we received educational psychologist reports and, and then had a, another assessment for, to assess for Asperger's um, I understood then why she was struggling to learn she she was identified as having a processing speed issue anyway so for me as a parent you know with the with the behavioral challenges um, getting that label for me was very useful because for me, I thought, well, okay, the, 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 um, the teachers are going to understand this and, and then she's going to get all the help she needs. And this, this school did as much as they could, um, but they weren't really geared up for um, children with special educational needs of this particular um, uh, label. Anyway, and the behaviours that, that my daughter presented and you know, children with Asperger's are children with Asperger's and they, they are on a continuum of um, learning ability, if you like. They learn in a, in a different way. But for me, you know, that was a label. It, it helped me. It helped the teachers understand her. Um, but and, and we got a, a raft of accommodations that, that the school could implement for her. Um, but for me, it was, well, why? Why is this? What is going on here? What, why does she have to have a label? And I started researching like a demon into special educational needs and all these different labels and, and the like. And my own conclusion was that actually, and I'm no expert, I'm not a psychologist, but I am a parent. I'm a parent of a child that has struggled to learn in school. And she's a bright child. Is that um, what if the label's helpful, but what if, what if she's just a variation of, of normal? You know, why, you know, when we go into a classroom, teach, uh, not teachers, at schools teach to a, to a norm, if you like, or what we call neurotypical. And my daughter would be classed as, as atypical. Why can't we teach in, in, in different ways? And, and so for me, getting that label was helpful, but it was also unhelpful. And, and I, I needed to understand why even give a child a label um, and you know the question was should I tell my daughter in the end I did tell her um, and she thank goodness hasn't lived by that label and it hasn't created any limitations in her yeah I think um, thank you for for sharing that and uh, that must be must have been really a 
very strange and horrible and a bit traumatizing situation if you get dragged out of the classroom and stuff, especially if you're not a naughty um, girl in this case, uh, but uh, and, and get punished for something and you don't even understand why you get punished. And uh, it was just because she did not understand what uh, was what they asked her to do. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And also mentioning that the label was helpful for you, for the teachers and for you. Um, uh, and um, you decided to tell your daughter actually uh, what uh, came out of it uh, basically. Uh, but luckily she didn't live by that label. So um, a bit later on, I would like uh, to talk about more where, um, and I think you mentioned that when we talked about this, where a child can become the label and it can be very limiting in life. Um, but I would like to ask uh, another question up front. So to get, let's call it diagnosed for now, because I think officially that's maybe the term that people would use or to get labeled. Um, I guess that the child, no matter what label comes out in the end or not label, or I like the expression, a variation of normal really a lot. <laughs> um, because what does normal mean anyway? Uh, that's uh, one thing, another <laughs> discussion I can talk about. Um, however, they have to go through certain tests or how does it how does it work so that someone officially can give you a label yeah so i mean it was a long time ago now so i can't remember the the complete battery of tests when I mean, we started off with an educational psychologist report which identified the fact that she had this processing speed issue which i've subsequently discovered you know through my own research and through obviously the program that i've brought to the united Arab emirates that the, the cerebellum is is um the research says it's an underdeveloped um, cerebellum. So we had the edge psych report done. We also then had a, to the, the suggestion of the school, a sensory um, integration um, test done. And that was because she was um, melting down, if you like, in the classroom. So she was becoming overloaded. Remember we said that we'd moved from a small school, you know, 10 children into a classroom with 30 children in the whole year to a school of, you know, 20 children in the classroom and 250 in the year. Yeah, so she would kind of enter a corridor and the corridor would be absolutely brimming with children, pushing and shoving and, and everything else. And um, she would literally just melt down in the corridor. And sometimes, you know, if, if somebody touched her, she would um, turn around and lash out because when she feels she's so sensitive to touch that anybody touching her would feel like somebody punching her okay so the automatic response it's not a helpful response but it is a, a human response if you think um if somebody comes and shoves you or um touches you your your instantaneous um, reaction is to turn around and go well what is going on there and for her if it's somebody punching her is to she wouldn't punch back but she might shove back because she felt like an assault on her body so we had this sensory um, testing done. We discovered that she'd also got a sensory, sensory integration issues. Um, and that again, um, you know, research suggests that it's an underdeveloped um, cerebellum. So we had this educational psychologist report that identified the processing speed, you know, so not being able to hold lots of information ahead, so slow processing, and because she's focusing in on all the, the other deficits that she got. 
not deficits, all those other challenges she's got in order to be able to learn. Um, and I, I understand there was one singular area that was never tested that I tested since. Um, then she got sensory integration issues. And then on the basis of that, and the ed psych at the school had said, well, you know, um, when they've got sensory issues, they tend to have um, uh, Asperger's, which then frightened me to death. And obviously then we, we went off and we had a, a, an assessment and we had to fill in a bunch of forms. The school had to fill in a bunch of forms. And, um, and then we had to have a consultation with a, a specialist. And she was on the lower end of the, um, the scale. So she scored quite low on, on the scale for, for Asperger's, but all the same, she was still scored. Um, the sensory integration issues, I think, have had the biggest impact on her. Well, but as she's she's grown and as she's become more active, which is really very interesting, the sensory issues have um, dissipated. Okay, but she still has a tendency to get overloaded. Um, but anyway, so so yes, that's that's pretty much. So we went through this raft of tests, um, and uh, came out with this diagnosis of. Of Asperger's. Mm -hmm. So that would lead me then to uh, the next question. So there's obviously a lot of um, things involved and also I guess a lot of uh, stress involved for the parents and um, the child going through that um, even though it's hopefully done in a in a way that it's not too stressful for doing it for the child. Um, but because we were mentioning oh should I tell the child should I not tell the child if a child goes through all these assessments um, and a parents decide not to tell the child the outcome, is it not like the child would ask at some point, oh, why did I do all this test and what came out of that? Or is there another, <laughs> another way? Or in your opinion, maybe it depends on the family and the child, but should you actually tell the child because the child can become the label and can be very limiting, which we go into, but do you think it is even possible not to tell <laughs> the child? That's a good question, Christine, because I actually do believe that it is possible not to tell the child, but the other side of it is, um, you know, should or should you not tell the child? Here's the interesting thing, and you will know this, um, and you have an understanding of neurolinguistic programming, you'll understand probably stages of development and, and everything else that goes with it that between the ages of probably nine and 12, the child, you know, they're entering puberty and they have, their brain's still developing and they develop this um, ability to analyze and, um, and question and, you know, make decisions and, and everything else. So before that, they're just a child, they're kind of bobbing along, they, they won't realize that. And, and of course, in the school environs as well, you know, all children till about the age of 11 until they go on secondary school, they're all in the same classroom and they might have a little bit of extra help here and there. But from the age of about nine, they start to realise that they're not quite the same. And then when you move into secondary school and then you're streamed and you're put into different um, groups because of your ability, um, then you start to kind of realise that um, something's not quite right. So unless, you know, for the, there's, there's two sides of it, I think. If you leave it, you're then creating uh, internal problems for the child where they're trying to figure it out themselves. and and so in that respect, I think it's better to tell the child. But the question for me is, you know, do we actually even need to tell a child? Um, you know, my daughter was, is what I call, I, I believe she's a variation of normal, you know. Um, mm. So 
by streaming her, she's going to become more aware that she's different. So why not tell her if we have to give her a label, then I think it's better to tell mm. the child so they're not trying to figure it out themselves and creating all sorts of internal problems that, you know, maybe they're not talking to mum and dad about. But I don't believe, um, you know, children need to have a label if um, we're educated enough, and whether that's teachers mm. or parents or whatever, educated enough to understand that we all learn differently and mm-hmm. to adopt different learning styles you know you know for those people that are visual uh, individuals I'm quite an individual a, a visual person I like to see picture diagrams draw me a picture draw me a diagram um words yeah you know if, if I see a page, a page of words and it's an explanation of something what I want to do is I want to take it apart and create a picture out of it so I can put all the component parts together and some people are great um, readers and, and they can read comprehensively. So if you've got different types of learning media, then why not adapt those and use those in the classroom and blend your, your learning as you would in the workplace, which is, you know, workplaces, of, of um, they have uh, blended learning opportunities. You know, my background is in human resources and learning development. And, you know, when you put a program to do it together, you create blended learning because you think about the learning styles of the individuals that you've got in your organisation in order to be able to deliver to best effect and to enable somebody to learn as best they can. We don't seem to do that in schools, but I'll be corrected if I'm wrong. You know, um, I know that, you know, maybe as they're younger, children are younger and they're able to move around and they're able to touch and feel and you know they'll they'll be in books with pictures as you tend to move through school you're you have to sit still for longer you have to look at great reams of text you you have to sit and look at a board and and I'm not sure that that's the best way to to learn um if I'm honest (laughs) I'm I completely agree and I think um in general, I, I'm not saying it, it um, was okay back in the days and now it's not, um, but I, I want to say that times are changing as well. Um, uh, technology is changing, so I think also it's okay to change systems um, and that includes some um, schools and how we teach things. And um, like you said, um, I think there's a lot of educational work, unfortunately, still to be done for parents and for uh, teachers or anyone who cares for children, let's say even in, in kindergarten or um, in, in other places. Um, and that is a big challenge, I can imagine, uh, because how do you do that everywhere? Uh, and how do you how do you teach that? Uh, you, I guess you you start by teaching in school <laughs> about these things as well, and at university to reframe things as well. Like you said, I mean, even if you tell your child, um, it doesn't have to have a negative effect as long as you, as a, a, a parent, maybe make sure you reframe it in a way so it's not um, seen as a disability um, or anything like that and the child might think oh uh, I have a disability but just as a variant of normal or reframing this is normal for you (laughs) it might not be normal for someone else because everything in life is not the same normal for anyone in any situation I'm not talking about uh, the these labels that we talked about I, I mentioned I mean in anything for some people it's not normal 
uh, to watch a movie in the evening, but it's normal to read a book <laughs> uh, or whatever it is. So um, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. And the challenge here, yeah, I guess, is educating the system, educating parents and educating the child. So it's not strange or it's not, yeah, I, I can't think of another word. Uh, it's not not normal um, to to have different learning styles. Mm. Absolutely. And if you think about now, I can only just just very briefly, Christine, thinking about the likes of let's think about that. You know, there's a, Albert Einstein dropped out of school. Yeah. Genius. Jim Carrey, actor, dropped out of school. Genius. Mm. Um, Richard Branson. Yeah. Dropped out of school. Dyslexic. Yeah. Super smart. Yeah, the, the, this, we all have our strengths and opportunities and there's always potential for us to develop and, and improve. Um, and we're, you know, if, if we were to take us all apart, we're not going to have an identical insight. So I think there's this danger. We look at individuals who've got two arms, two legs, um, you know, most. <laughs> um, um, but if you, if you, if you don't fit that, um, if, if you, if you, if your behaviour is kind of not identical to somebody else's, then you're you're weird, or you're normal. You're not normal, and and it, it's just you know for me as a parent, it was frustrating for me to and a whole family to see my daughter go through such pain and heartache, and it really damaged her self esteem. Really damaged her self esteem. Yeah. Uh, and so it's so important, I think, in education to change the approach to for teachers and then you know teachers do the very best they can you know and we know things are changing but I know that there's very little um, education for teachers on understanding children who you know learn differently uh, mm. or have these tables you know there's a big focus on teaching and structuring learning but what about understanding those children that come into your classroom yeah and that's not the teacher is the education system and i'm not here to bash the education system no no it's just not work it works for for most children but it should be able to work for all you know she's what i call an outlier she's mm. bright mm. learns differently yeah oh thank you i think that leads uh, to a nice summary as well and um, again like you said it's not about bashing what is out there it's about education and understanding which takes time and should be learned um, by all groups uh, to make it, uh, let's say, variation of normal life for everyone because we're all uh, differently. So thank you so much for your time. I'm looking forward to our last episode recording where we're gonna go through a bit more about how actually your program works and how it can help people. And that leads probably into some very practical tips that people can look into. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Karen. Okay, thank you, Christine. Look forward to talking to you soon. That was it. Thanks for tuning in. And just to let you know, there's a free 30-day Kickstart Your Business Challenge available on my website, creativestartupacademy.com slash kickstart. And it turns your business idea into reality in just 30 days. And if you could leave a review for this podcast, please, please, please do so because it will help me with my ranking. Thanks so much. I'm looking forward to talking to you next time. Bye-bye.